And uh, growing up, you know, everybody asks you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you tell them what they want to hear, or a doctor, lawyer, engineer. Yeah. But I knew for me, it was more. I just wanted, my response was, I want to be rich. And they laughed. It's like, of course, we all want to be rich. But it's like, no, I want to be rich so that I have time to spend with loved ones. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hello, guys. Welcome to another episode of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. And on today's show, we have Io, who is out of uh, Pennsylvania. Io, before he got started, was a behavioral therapist and then transitioned into real estate investing. So Io is wholesaling. He does subject to deals. He does lease options. He done some flips. Um, he's a passive investor with some rentals. So Iowa is doing quite a bit. And I know I wanted to bring him on because I spoke to Joe Bodek a few months ago and he said that this guy here is really doing some, some things in the Pennsylvania area. So Io, welcome to the show, man. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Um, so give me a little bit of background. Um, a little bit more in depth about who you are, why you transitioned into real estate investing versus staying on that social services behavioral uh, therapist track. A lot of it really comes down to time. I know I grew up, my dad, back because I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, raised in the Bronx in New York. Uh, my dad always working. I know he, he had a little bit of money saved. He bought a little shop, like a little grocery store. Uh, didn't work out too long, but one thing that I'm so he can spend with me and my brother and, uh, growing up, you know, everybody asks you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you tell them what they want to hear or a doctor, lawyer, engineer. Yeah. But I knew for me, it was more, I just wanted, my response was, I want to be rich. And they laughed. It's like, of course we all want to be rich, but it's like, no, I want to be rich so that I have time to spend with loved ones. I didn't know what that thing was that would make me rich. I just know I had to be rich so that I can have my time back, time to spend with family, time to help others give back. So ultimately, um, after, um, let me see, went to, I did my um, bachelor's in upstate New York for, I started as a business major. Okay. Struggled, so I just, last minute, my fresh, I mean, senior year, I switched majors to public communications just to graduate on time, which I did. But then I got my um, MBA in management and uh, marketing and uh, bought my first duplex when I transitioned here to Philly. Okay. Uh, bought a duplex, lived in one unit, ran out house hacking. Right, right. And uh, I started learning about, I learned, I came across you on Bigger Pockets among other people. And that's where I was trying to get more into buying more rentals to create that passive income, to create that freedom. And uh, eventually I came across wholesaling, uh, lease options through uh, Joe Bodek, Ron LeGrand, uh, Joe McCall with me nicely. And then we got our first deal. See, I went to two Ron LeGrand events, one in uh, December 2017. And then <laughs> February 2018, I told my wife, hey, for Valentine's Day, let's take a business trip. Uh -huh. and, and it happened on that year. If, if February, Valentine's Day fell on the time Ron LeGrand had his course, but she's very entrepreneurial also. We went and it, it paid back. We got our first deal on the contract a few months after that. Then we got our second one. So our first deal was lease so option. Before we go into to your first deal, I got to ask you, man, you're a Brooklyn yep. boy. Most of my family is from Brooklyn, Flatbush <laughs> area. Tell me, yet to Yankees, Yankees man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my parents bought their first house in the Bronx, which wasn't far from Yankee Stadium. So, <laughs> okay, you see, it's a coincidence. I'm rocking my Yankees hat, man. So, 
<laughs> All right. So um, what, what made you make that transition from Brooklyn to um, Pennsylvania? So um, after, because my dad, we grew up in Brooklyn, but when I was about to turn seven, we moved to the Bronx because uh, back then, I know Bronx, you probably know this more than me, Bronx was tough yeah, back in yeah. the 80s. It was considered a war zone, but they uh, revitalized it. So uh, my parents bought a house, their first house in the Bronx, and um, pretty much spent all my life there until I went to upstate for college. When I was done with my bachelor's, looking for a job, getting ready to start my own life, I already knew that New York was going to be expensive. It's only getting expensive. And fortunately, my dad started buying some rentals during my middle of my high school time. So he had a house that he would go and, you know, rest his head in when he would go check some rentals and look for opportunities. So I just stayed there and actually bought my own duplex. Okay. All right. So tell me about, um, okay, so you went to that Ron LeGrant workshop came back right. and you you started working on that first deal before we get to that tell the people how important it is to have that entrepreneurial spouse that's like hey man let's do it let's get out here and get it done it's super important they say who you marry will pretty much it's it's a business partner like you got to be very very sure who you marry like i know one of our first conversations wasn't like oh what's your favorite color or what's your spirit animal it's Hey, like, where do you see yourself in a few years? And for my wife, she actually kind of put that in my head when I asked her, like, you know, what's your plan? And uh, she told me, I just want to buy a couple rentals where I can be financially free. I don't have to work as hard. And when she told me that, I'm like, huh. Like, without me, without, without realizing, I realized that's what I want, too. So then right. it became, I'm like, okay, I definitely got to hold on to this one because <laughs> I, I was still trying to figure it out. But Right there, when I asked her that, she was like, look, this is what I want. Once I can achieve that and I'm living passively, I'm good. So that's where we put our heads together. Uh, I was doing my master's. She also started doing her MBA as well. So sorry, but to answer your question, it is very important. Without that, good luck. It's going to be. Gotcha. And that's what I tell people. I say, you know, having a supportive spouse is very, very important, especially if you're looking to make a career out of this because there are challenges. There are times where you like, okay, when is the next deal coming? When are, when are we going to do something, you know? And sometimes the spouse is like, well, you know what, let's just play it safe, you know, go get a job. That way you'll have, you know, consistent income coming in, you know, every two weeks. But for us, that's very entrepreneurial. It's hard to wrap our mind around that because we're like, man, the hours that we're working to make someone else rich, we could be working on our own dreams, you know? So that's just from hearing that conversation from you, that's exactly what I'm hearing. So guys, just make sure, you know, if you don't have a spouse, make sure you look for that in the spouse. And if not, if she's not that way, it's not to say that it won't happen. You know, you just have to work a little bit harder and you have to show her things or him things, you know, to show him, you know, Hey, this is what we can do to try and shift that mindset. So Ayo, tell me about, you know, that first deal, this first lease option deal. Yep. So I met the seller. It was through a FISBO. Uh, the guy tried listening with a realtor, couldn't move it. The property was in, uh, in rough shape and he had a mortgage on the property. So right there, there was a couple levels of motivation. House okay. needs work, mortgage, couldn't rent it out the way it is, and he couldn't move it with a realtor. So we proposed where we would do a lease option. We'll lease the property from him. We'll fix it up and uh, buy from him within two, three years. And for him, it was a no-brainer. So we put a sign on the yard, work for equity, no banks needed, and our company's phone number, and we got a lot of hits. Ultimately, we gave it to a guy who owns a um like a sober living business. He loved it looking for something that they could put some work into. And uh, we got a $3,200 option fee from them. We were cash flowing $300. And then when they exercised their option to buy, we were going to make another 15, 17K. Okay. So tell me, how did you find a lead? And I know when we had spoke, you said something about you screened it, screened the seller with your VA. So First of all, how did you find the lead? And then let's talk about your VA, how you found the VA and what you have your VA do for you. So this VA came from um, 
through uh, Rand, uh, what's the name of this company? I don't use them anymore, but I think it's called, uh, uh, it'll come back to me, Pat Live. Okay, it Pat was, Live, gotcha. Yep. So they, uh, the seller responded to um, our call, I think we send them a, what do you call it, like a yellow letter, which is also from what Ron uh, recommended. We sent him a yellow letter. He received it. He called the number, which directed to him to our Pat Live guys who took his information and asked him the necessary questions to screen him to see what his level of motivation was. Okay. So you did direct mail, yellow yeah. letter, um, yeah. and then you had a telephone on there that directed them to your virtual assistant with Pat Live. Um, right. What kind of questions do you have your virtual assistant? Because I'm kind of going down this path because we haven't talked about this lately. But what kind of questions do you have your virtual assistant ask the sellers in order to screen them to see before they go to you? Because I know they're like, you know, that, that first wall of defense to weed out, you know, a lot of the tire kickers. Well, I'll tell you this. Now it's it's much different, but at that time, I use uh, Ron's um, script that he had, and I just gave it to the VA with Pat Live. But more or less, it just asks: um, Are they still interested in selling their property? Uh, and if they did try, were they interested in selling the property? What's the condition? If there's a mortgage on the property, and if so, what's the estimated balance that's due? Um, how soon are they trying to sell the property? How much are they looking to get for the property? And if they would be open to terms, okay. if like if we could give them a cash deal, but if the cash deal didn't work, if they would be open to terms, and if they said yes, then the VA stops and say, "I'll have my boss give you a call." Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so what changed from then to now? What are you doing a little bit different? Because I know you know continue everything evolves you know so what evolved to where you have different questions that you uh vet your sellers with so now my list is very targeted uh so i'll have a list let's say for expired listings or failed listings where even without going to too much like research for each specific property in that list i already know this is that list is most likely going to be a subject to or a lease option list gotcha okay so it all comes down to the list. So like for a list like that, and I do text blasts now, for a list like that, my text blast would read, hi, whatever their name is. And this is after I've skipped traced that list and know who the sellers are and whatnot. So it'll say, hi, whatever their first name is. My name is Io. I'm a local investor in the area. I saw your property a few months ago on Zillow. And I wanted to know if you might be open, open to leasing your property for 24 36 months and then uh selling it at your at your uh asking price uh yes no maybe very interested and i okay. always get response back like i would say like a 60 65 percent response rate back yes maybe call me let's talk about it or just a flat out no the okay. no is i'll put into a follow-up system but the yes and the maybes, that's when I'll pick up the phone and then give them a call and then go from there. Okay. Well, that's good because you, you, you're, you're offering options. So you're saying, okay, we got a cash option for you. And then we have, you know, a subject to option. And then not only that, but here's terms, you know, right. with the subject to option, you know, we can do two years, we can do three years, so on and so forth. So, that that first deal kind of going back um you said that you got thirty two hundred dollar upfront option fee um option fee okay how did you how did you find that buyer and how did you sell the seller on having that buyer to kind of kind of walk us through the process sure so for that buyer because besides putting up signs on the property and at like corners at busy intersections near the property. I also had it on Facebook Marketplace saying the same, more or less the same thing as a sign. Uh, once we found a buyer, for the seller, he didn't care as long as those mortgage payments were getting paid and someone was willing to put in the work, he, he could care less. For him, it was just him looking for that debt relief because he was already getting hit. 
he's paying a mortgage on a house that's not yielding him any income. And then on top of that, he lives two hours away. And then on top of that, uh, he'll get hit with cold violations when the grass isn't being cut. So at the end of the day, and I tell sellers, especially when they're, it's an absentee owner property, houses are meant to be lived in, not stay vacant. Because the longer they're vacant, the more things go in disrepair or somebody ends up squatting in there. Yep, so for yep. him, it was just, like I said, it was just that multiple levels of motivation. It was, and this was no money down. So that 3,200 that I received didn't go to his pocket. It went to Hip National Bank, my pocket. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. Okay, all right. So you hit him, you know, with the bye, bye, bye. You'll buy it. You'll make things happen for him. He was right. in a distressed situation and you noticed that, you know. So right. now with this, with the with the buyer okay yep. so you did the marketing guys hear what io is saying he did the marketing facebook marketplace he put signs out in the property put signs on the corner so you were out there hustling to get this thing moved did you ever have any fear that you wouldn't be able to find a buyer for it no because of the location where the property was located i knew it was just a matter of time and i've told sellers Properties don't move for two reasons, maybe three, but one, your price is too high, or two, the location, and then there's the hybrid, three. A combination of both. For him, he wanted too much, and the property needed a lot of work, and but the location was great, so he just had an issue with the price. Okay, all right, so for you, that was definitely, you know, bells ringing in your ears. It was something that you could definitely um, make happen. So now you got the, the buyer in place, the buyer was using it for a sober living house, did you say? No, he has a sober living business, but he was he bought that, he wanted that property for himself for a personal use. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay. And um tell us about that process on you vetting, you know, that buyer. Right. So uh there were there was a company called Screen the Tenant, also a referral through Ronald Legrand. I've now used another company, but that company will, the, uh, the tenant buyers will fill out an application. Screen the Tenant will verify their income. Uh, if it's a, someone who gets W-2, they'll reach out to their employers just to verify everything. If it's a small business owner, they'll ask for tax returns, things of that nature. And then they'll say, green light, yellow light, or definitely red light based off the information that they receive. But then ultimately it's up to you what you want to do. Okay. And then with that, with that buyer, was there any hesitation? You know, was he a green light, red light, or yellow light? For the most part, it was a green light. It was okay. A green light. Yep. All right. And then how long, how long was the contract that you had with him? How long was he going to be in place on the property? Uh, two years. Two years, and then he had to refinance or cash out and qualify for a loan, okay? Did you have him working through any kind of debt relief credit credit company or anything like that? Uh, his credit uh, needed a little bit of work since he owned his own small business. So what I did as a mandatory thing for all my tenant buyers is before we give them the keys and sign a lease, they have to be enrolled in a credit repair uh, program. It okay. makes to keep everybody honest. And even if they decide, you know what, this house was way more work than we anticipated or just situation changes, well, when they transition to something else, you're in a better place than where you started off at. So either way, it's to their benefit. Obviously, it works for us too when they're ready to make that next move, but that's a mandatory thing for us. Like you have to be enrolled into a credit repair program. Okay. That's, that's definitely good. That way you can kind of gauge how serious they are about qualifying to get this loan. So that's one measure that you guys have in place. Um, it was something else that I was out of, that I was going to ask you. I'm trying to think of where I was going with it. Um, so it was no money down to the seller right. and they brought in 3,200, that went directly to you, correct? Right. All right. That's money in the bank. Plus, you had um, at the buyout another fifteen to seventeen grand coming to you that way. Correct. On top of the cherry on the top is the passive income every month that was coming directly to you. Yep, which was like three hundred dollars. Okay, sweet, sweet, sweet. So, guys, you see that there is ways to make money on properties, you know, that 
a seller won't accept, you know, a low ball offer. So I am, tell me this, um, kind of working through that deal. I know you said that you had a lot of systems given to you from Ron LeGrant. This is kind of one of the things that I tell people is that mentors are not just to show you the way, but they're also to provide resources that you wouldn't know or otherwise get from somewhere else getting started. So you took those resources that he gave you, Pat Live, the credit company, things like that, and you used them for your first deal or maybe your first couple of deals. And you said, you know what? I could do this a little bit better or I could find a company that's a little bit cheaper. So tell me about um, kind of how Ron set you up for success, how Ron and Joe set you up for success as mentors, as teachers and coaches for you. So something Ron said that's always stuck to me, the more, the less I do, the more I make. Hmm. Exactly. And I'm, the, the less I do, the more I make. And I realized from the couple of deals that I've done, and we've done wholesale deals too, but I've worn different hats. I've worn the acquisitions, the disposition hats, everything or like kind of like a uh, property management when i'm doing a sample but i'm wearing all these hats and it's exhausting yeah the money is great but it's like i got into this business like i told you initially for that time that freedom but at the same time i don't mind because i've told everyone and i think that was a mistake for me personally is don't be quick to get a va get in the dirt Get your feet, get your hands dirty, face muddy, do every aspect of the business, get that first deal. Once you get that first deal, do it again so that you know like, oh, wow, this wasn't a fluke. I did it again. And then do it a third time. And then as you grow some money, you've already done every aspect of your business. Now start hiring slowly. Be slow to hire, but fast to fire. Yep, yep certain aspect of your business to now free up your time and now you're working on your business and not in it. Very key. I mean, those were some key things that you said there, man. I got to give you credit on that. You guys, you have to get in the dirt so you will know what you're doing. You know, a lot of times people want to get started. Well, I want to outsource this. I want to outsource that. You're outsourcing, but you really don't know exactly what you're outsourcing, you know? So that was good. All right, moving on. You got the first deal. You got this passive income coming in now. You got the $3,200 up front. What was next on after that? After that, it was like my wife and I, you know, after we like hugged, cried, like, wow, this worked. It was like, okay, we got to do this again. And we did. And this time we got $10,000 down option fee. And we we're making also $300 a month spread. And we were going to make Twenty thousand five hundred one tenant buyer exercised their option to buy, but this okay. the this was now from a ringless voicemail campaign that I did. I got a list from a list source for absentee owners that own their property for like at least five years or more in a certain zip code. Uh, I dropped a ringless voicemail saying, "Hey, my name is Io. I know this calls out the blue. Apologize for the interruption, but I just came across your property uh, yesterday." And we're looking to buy our next investment property in that same area. Your property fit out our criteria. Just calling to see if you might be interested in a cash offer. Please give me a call back. God bless. And that was it. And I got a lot of call back. What I liked about the ringless voicemail, and this is after we've done that first deal, we reinvested the money back into the business just to help us be more efficient. As you know, um, direct mail is expensive. Yep, yep. So we had to like look, scale it back a little because we've sent like, I would say honestly, like maybe 4,000 direct mails. But in my defense, like the list that I sent it to weren't as motivated. So, but that, you know, it's, you live and you learn. Um, So for this seller, she lived in New York, properties in Pennsylvania, two hours away, same scenario. She tried listing them for realtor, the property didn't move and it wasn't, pretty good shape and she didn't want to be a a landlord again an out-of-state land so when I proposed to her the lease option proposal like hey what if we um, lease your property for like 12 24 36 months 
we'll make payments to you. And she had no mortgage, mind you. And uh, I told her, we'll maintain, the, we'll upkeep the property. So you don't have to worry about anything. You're just collecting checks from us until we're ready to buy the property. How's that sound? And she was fine with it. And I guess at this point, I came across confident. I knew what I was saying. And for her, it was like, sure. And we didn't even meet till like a couple months later after I put someone in there. And I told her too, like, we're not moving in, but I do have a list of qualified buyers who just need a little bit of time before mm -hmm. they're able to uh, get a mortgage to buy the property. But I told her we can do one of two things. We can be in the middle. We'll manage the property for you. We'll check in with the tenants. We'll collect their rent, give it to you. Or we'll find this qualified tenant buyers you pick from the list that we have and you can deal directly with them. Now, mind you, she does, she didn't want to be a landlord again. So she said, no, you guys be you in the middle. Everything. And I told her nothing. They pay us. So. Okay. That, well, it works out. I mean, you, you were right. just the middleman, you know, you found the situation, you know, that she was in and you said, Hey, I got options where I can help you. Um, so I am. When you're doing, when you're making the payments to the sellers, how are you making those payments? Are you paying it directly to the mortgage company and you're showing them a receipt that it was paid or are you sending them the money directly? Kind of how is that working? So I came across, a, initially it was, I would take the funds from the, uh, from the tenant buyers. I gave them my account number. They made payments to my account. And then from that, I would go and pay the seller directly. That was with that first deal. We've already finished that one, so that's no worries. But moving moving on now, like I've worked with this company called LT Services. Uh, the name is Carla, so shout out to Carla. She works with investors like us who deal with sub twos or um, uh, lease options. Her company, for a fee of $75, and I've learned now to just add that on top of the rent to the tenant buyer, her company will take the rent straight from the tenant buyer's account if there's a mortgage, they'll pay it directly to the lender and we give her company that information or the seller gives her the information. So whatever, and let's say the uh, mortgage is $1,000 and the rent is $1,600 that we're collecting from the tenant buyers. She'll pay out of that $1,600 directly to the lender and whatever we're supposed to make, which is $600, she'll have that sent to our account. So God forbid if I was struck with coronavirus and I was sick, quarantined, or God forbid I died, that's still going on without me. And remember, like what Ron said, the less I do, the more I make. Yeah. I'm trying to automate things. So, and it keeps everyone honest too. Okay. So she acts basically as a loan service, loan servicer, you know, so the tenant pay, make the payments to her. She disperse everything. Oh no, not to her. She'll like her company has like, I guess some kind of ACH where they'll take the money wow. out the account pay whatever they need to pay to the lender's account, uh, lenders, uh, yeah, the mortgage company. And then the difference that we're supposed to receive, she'll have that sent to us. Right. So she's an, an intermediary pretty Correct. much. So, so she will make sure the payments come in to, to the company and then she'll disperse everything from there again. Correct. That way you don't have to get your hands dirty, man. That's, that's Correct. smart. Um, guys, you can see, what IO is doing, you know, you can get started, but then you can maneuver and position it to what suits you best. So now you got these two done, you got some money, you a firm believer that this thing works, you know, what was the next step? I know you're ready to, you know, <laughs> move on up. So what was, what was the next thing that you did? Uh, so again, uh, we took that profit from the which we had 10K up front. And that too, nothing went to the seller because uh, that's what we agreed on. So what we did was so really- how, how are you, let me let me ask you this real quick. Sure. Hey, yo, I, so how are you positioning with the seller? Hey, you know what, I'll take over payments, um, but I'm not gonna give you any down payment or anything like that. Well, she didn't ask. <laughs> right, right, you didn't volunteer, right? Um, I know one seller did ask, like for the first house, like he asked, but I'm like, oh, I'm so I would love to give you some money, but you see, we got a lot of work to do. Gotcha. And that stopped it right there. With this seller too from out of state, even though she had no mortgage, and if I knew more, I probably would have done some kind of owner financing. And before I even, before I forget this thought, that same property that we got 10K up front, 
It didn't work out with the tenant buyers, unfortunately. They broke up. So we ended up wholesaling that property, and I made this past April $12,500. Wow. So you got the 10 up front plus whatever. For like a a year and a half, and I still made out with $12,500. I got her to lower down the price, and we were able to wholesale it this March. I mean, this April. Okay. So even during coronavirus, everything that was going on, you were still able to make money, you know, as a real estate investor. So now when, what red flags did you start seeing with that tenant buyer to make you say, okay, ah, they, they going to default? Um, well, I got a call from the, from the, uh, boyfriend saying, Hey, I, you know, you've been great to us, but I'm no longer at the property. Uh, me and this group, me and, um, his girlfriend broke up. I'm like, well, what happened? It was like, without getting too much in the story, they just, right. something happened and they broke up. So he was the the breadwinner. Gotcha. So I told him, well, you know, you do know you're still on the contract for a certain amount of time. So I told him, I understand you guys broke up, but this still needs to be paid. So I told him, this is what we can do. Uh, he called me like at the middle of like December. So I told him, make just, no, middle of November, I told him, make December's rent, and I'll take care of it from there. And I spoke to her. I told her, I'm not kicking you out. Like, I found out what happened. What do you want to do? Do you still want to? And mind you, at this time, I have everybody sign up in a credit repair program. Her credit was, both of their credits were pretty good, but she wasn't strong enough alone to move forward because they were also getting ready to they met with a mortgage broker to get things started but that happened okay i gave her two weeks to see if she can get a mortgage on her own ultimately she couldn't so then i told her you know you gotta leave uh just you know clean up the place as best you can and you know uh your boyfriend already said he'll make the december rent so at least like and i told her i'll give you to the end of december since Christmas time and right, all. Right. The place clean. She left actually in the middle. That place was a mess. Me and my wife had to clean <laughs> chicken bones, feces. It, it was a hot mess, but at least we got paid in uh, April $12,500 for our efforts. Right, right. It worked out. Okay. All right. Good. So, in essence, you still had a back door. So, guys, when you're doing these right. subject to deals, lease option deals, you still know, hey, if that tenant buyer don't work out, you can try and wholesale the property. Um, what do you think you would have did if you didn't wholesale it? Would you just try and find another tenant buyer? Exactly, and do it okay. again. Okay. And then we would have given the seller a portion. Now, if we did that, I would have given the seller half of that or a third of that and said, hey, it didn't work out with this person. We already found someone else who's qualified. We need more time. Here's if that person gave me ten thousand down, I would have said I would have even told the seller here's six, maybe even here's seven thousand dollars to incentivize them to give us another year and a half. Gotcha. Who's gonna turn down free money? Yeah, and it's and it's in good faith with you too. You know, showing them that hey, we're in this for the long haul. We're in this with you. Here's you know six or seven grand just to show you that we're in this. Okay, so you're doing these lease option deals. Um, Tell me about this house hack, this duplex, because now you started making this money from the uh, the transactions that you were doing. Now you said, okay, I want to really get into this passive income stuff. What happened? What what made that transition for you? Well, even then, like, because I bought my um, I bought my first duplex in 2012. Like, literally, I graduated with my master with my MBA in May 20 no June 20, 2012. And I bought my first property a month prior. So I'm feeling like an adult now. So I've, I've owned this. I've lived in it, went through the mud. And the first tenant, she knew I was green. And she she took me for a ride. I ended up having to evict her, take her to court. And then at this point now, I know better. So that started, but I've already started uh, doing that back in 2012. Okay. So, so when you when you bought that duplex, was it already tenanted or was it completely vacant? When you it was it? completely vacant. Uh, the prior owners did a nice uh, rehab to it. So I didn't need anything fancy, smancy, just something clean, nice. The most I did, because at that time, um, my wife and I, were gonna, we got married a year later. I just called bath fitters to update our bathroom for our unit. But that's it. And 
fresh paint, but that was it. Okay. So tell me about this, this tenant, <laughs> you know, that kind of, that kind of got over on you. Well, with what I know now, I know I would have done things differently. So I did a, I, she filled out an application. A friend of my, of my dad, who's a realtor, uh, gave it to me, but I didn't know how to properly read it. Because if I did, when I look back at it like three years later, I saw that she had some evictions. Oh, yeah, that should have been a red flag. But, you know, when you don't know and, you know, she seemed like a sweet old lady. But then like two months in, that's when the sob stories came in. Like, oh, I, oh, you know, I can't really pay this rent. Here's a half. You know, this happened. I broke my foot or the door got hit by a car, blah, 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 blah. After a while, my wife and my wife, I give her credit. She and I always tell like women have this thing that us men don't have, which is intuition and. When she tells me, especially in business, like, hey, babe, like, you know, don't do business with this person. At first, I'll just brush her off like, man, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking down like, yeah, you were right. You were right. You were right, babe. Okay, that's why we partners in this. <laughs> exactly. So um, I know she clashed heads with that uh, tenant. Not physical, but we eventually got rid of her. So then moving forward, uh, we had someone else in there, and she was like, mm go with it but i don't know and it didn't work out he paid his rent it was just more of uh little things that he would always complain about and then i third tenant after that they were great they just they moved out only because they were buying a house to start a family and then gotcha. the next tenant that we had my wife felt good about him he paid his rent on time and when we sold the property five years later for a nice profit he's still there taking care of the new uh owner Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so you gotta you, you learned the lesson. You gotta follow your uh, wife's intuition. You know, right. she say yay or nay. You better go with it. You better go with it. Yep. <laughs> so, Ayo, what's what's next, man? What are you looking at next? What are you trying to get into? What are you doing? Well, we just did a. What was it? Today's Wednesday. We just did our first virtual lease option in Tennessee. Okay. Uh, we had we got the property on the contract for 135. We're selling it on a lease to own for 1559. I put it on Facebook Marketplace, Facebook, I mean Facebook and Craigslist Friday night. And then Saturday, 4th of July, I wake up to like 70 plus messages from the marketplace. People wanted this property. So what we're at in Tennessee. It's in uh Surveyorsville, Tennessee, or Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Okay. Nice okay. area. I have boots on the ground there from um, one of my lease option groups. Uh, they helped me put a lockbox there. And they also have a lease option property there. And they told me, like, ah, it's going to move, so get ready. And I was overwhelmed in a good way, but it was like, dang, maybe I should have waited till Monday. But my wife was the one who said, no, post it Friday night. And we got someone who was – we never met with the seller. The seller lives, mind you, in, uh, in Jersey. Okay. They found me through my Facebook ads because I'm always reinvesting money that we make back. So now I have sellers who reach out to me like, hey, I saw your ad. I got this house. Can you help me? Which has been great as opposed to me actively doing ringless voicemails, text blasts, cold calling, sometimes driving for dollars. Now I have them. I'll wake up to a message like on my uh, Carrot website like, oh, you just got a new lead. Well, that's good. That's good. Those inbound leads are normally the hot ones. They're, they're normally the best ones. So right. that's good. So you wholesalers out there or even, even buy and hold investors, IO is telling you some, some golden nuggets that you can do. You know, you can either wholesale it, you can lease option it. He's doing virtual lease options, you know, things like that. So you don't have to pigeonhole yourself into one way, into one strategy. And I'm actually looking into you know, some of the lease options and subject to deals because I do a lot of things virtually. And some of these things, you know, you, you, you look at them and you say, okay, yeah, I can wholesale them, but you know, this can be a long-term investment here and it'll work out that way as well. Okay. So Io, let's roll into, well, before we go into our hot seat questions, let's take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsors. And then we'll come right back and we'll jump into our hot seat questions. PropString is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers with 100% coverage across the U.S. 
PropStream provides a deep dive into any property's specific details, making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners. No other product or service can compare. Gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sale prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, comparable home sales, targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to proud.propstreampro.com slash we love Okay, we are back and we have Io here from Pennsylvania. He is doing virtual lease options, subject to deals, wholesaling. He has duplexes, passive income. So guys, he is a real estate investor. So right now, Io, let's go into our hot seat questions. Our hot seat questions. Let's answer these questions as quick as possible, you know, but still be in depth you know, on some of your answers. So starting now, you know, what would you do differently? I think what I would do differently uh, would be learn what I need to learn and then just take that massive imperfect action. Learn as you go. So don't think you need to learn everything at first. Don't be afraid to make mistakes, to be embarrassed. Just take action and learn as you go. Okay, guys, take action, you know. I always preach that. I always talk about it. You know, don't be scared. Get out there, make the mistakes. As I.O. say, get your face muddy, get your hands dirty, you know, and you'll come out on the other side. So I.O., what is your greatest commodity? I would have to say my confidence, definitely my wife, but I would say, yeah, confidence. Okay. Wife and confidence. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. You better put her in there. You should have had her in here on this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is one thing you could do to be more productive? More, definitely, we're working on getting a VA now to kind of streamline streamline things for us. Like one VA specific for our text messaging, one VA for like the ringless voicemails. So okay, definitely that. Are you finding your VAs on like freelancer or Upwork or? Well, we, once I fired my first VA, cause it got to the point where he was even asking me like, Hey, do you have a recording of yourself so that I can know how to talk to the sellers? And I was like, no, that's why I hired you for. So this was late 2017, early 2018. So I've been doing this. It's just been me and my wife now. And we're now at the point where we're ready to, hire VA, put them through the Colby test to make sure they're a go-getter. I don't know if you're familiar with that test. Yep, yep. But go ahead, elaborate on the, on the Colby test. So with that Colby test, it'll pretty much uh, let you know what kind of person you're dealing with. If that person is a go-getter, can they do things on their own? Are they a quick learner? Uh, are their personalities pretty much aligned with yours or even probably even where you're lacking, they're probably a little bit better. And that's something I'm always looking for, especially as a business owner. I don't want to be the smartest person. I like to hire the So, Well, that's what I did, um, especially with all of my social media and podcast editing and everything like that. You know, I was doing it. And then I was like, you know, they got to be somebody that's better than me, you know, at this stuff. And I found a VA and it's like tons of weight lifted off of my shoulder. You know, I don't have to worry about it. You know, everything is done and done a lot better than what right. I could have did, you know, so I have no problem paying her. So shout out to Wilma. Wilma, you'll be editing this, you know, always giving you credit. Um, so what drives your ambition, Io? Uh, just because we have three boys now, four months, uh, two years and four years. And we would even have them go to their daycare prior to COVID happening, like a shirt like this one that says, I buy houses or my parents buy houses with our phone numbers. Like, and their daycare teachers are like, Hey, we actually have a house that we inherited. So we're kind of getting them into the business too. Even if I go to seller meetings, they help break the ice as opposed to like going there, like belly to belly, knee to knee. They're looking right. at me. It's like, Oh, he's cute. And I'm like, yeah, I'm bringing him along so that he can start doing this too. 
So ultimately, it's time. I want time, like I told you, I want time to have with my wife, with the kids, something that I wish my dad, and nothing against him, but something that I wish I had more of because we can make all the money in the world. When we're on our deathbed, we're not thinking about the money we've made because we can't take it. We're thinking about memories. Yep. Like, what have I done? Have I been able to give back? So that's ultimately the, the push for me, time with my kids and giving back. Yeah, I, I definitely understand, and I can sympathize with you. My dad, he was uh, he's from Central America. That's why I got that Panamanian flag up there. And it was always, you know, just do it yourself. Do it yourself. You'll save money. Do it yourself. You know, mm-hmm. if a plumber, if we need to call a plumber, okay, we'll call him. He'll sit right over their shoulder and learn how to do it. That way he don't have to call him again. And that was my philosophy growing up was like, you know, just do it yourself until I learned, hey, you know what, outsource some of this stuff that way, that could still be getting done while you could be focusing on more high dollar uh, tasks and assignments. Okay, so great, great. Um, What do you believe is your greatest challenge? My greatest challenge? Well, we set a goal for ourselves this year to make 100K and we're already on 60 or I think with the latest deal we just did, with the $15,000 option fee, I think we're now in the 82. So I think our greatest goal is just my, I think for me, it's just like pushing up the boundaries and seeing we actually set it and, and not being afraid to like push it further. And actually, even if we fall short, at least we got closer if we never set it to begin with. So not being afraid to set really, really big goals and creating, a, you know, reverse engineering, like, okay, now how do we get there? And not feeling bad if we don't make it, at least we got closer than we did yesterday, if that gotcha. makes sense. Gotcha, gotcha. Yep, yep, makes sense. Um, and that goes back to you and your wife's ambition. You know, it's like, hey, this is where we want to go. Let's reverse engineer it to see how we're going to get there. Okay, and now tell me, what's the latest real estate or business book that you can refer someone, you know, getting started or something that you feel is like, man, this book was out of sight? Uh, For me, starting out, it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I know it was pretty much the same for everyone. And the latest book that I read was uh, was Never Split the Difference. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and dealing with negotiations. Yes. Okay, so I'll. Before we wrap up, man, uh, what is one thing that you can tell our listeners, you know, that can put them on a pathway to success as being a full-time real estate investor? I would say you got everything you need to get started. As long as you have a cell phone, a laptop, a car, even if you don't have a car, if you have a bike, public transportation, if you live anywhere within the 50 states of America, you have what you need to succeed. So there's no excuse. I know people, I know a guy doing this who's in a wheelchair and he's making this happen. I know a guy who has no arms and he's making this happen. So there is no excuse. You have no excuse at all to not be able to succeed. Okay, guys, take that insight and that inspiration from IO. Get out there, make some equity happen. Get out there and get some things done. So IO, if our listeners want to find you, if they want to reach you, how can they get in contact with you? So I'm on Facebook. Uh, I think my name is right there. It's IADGK. I'm on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is no limitness, which I believe there is no limit to what we can achieve and do. So you can find me on those two platforms. I'm also on LinkedIn too. Okay. All right, guys, I'll make sure I have all of that information in the show notes. Io, I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. You gave us some some insight and some quality content, man. I want to thank you. Um, I'm pretty sure that the listeners enjoyed you and everything that you you told us, you shared with us, you shared with us, you know, just kind of a recap, wholesaler, you shared lease options, subject to working with VAs, you know, doing virtual deals, you know, in Tennessee. So you gave us a lot, passive income, you know, quite a bit. So guys, if you need more information and you're looking to reach out to IO, all of that information will be in the show notes below. And IO again, thank you. Equity family, you know what to do. Get out there, get going, make some things happen. And always remember to enjoy the journey.
All right, guys, that was good. That was good. IO was definitely an eye opener, especially for you guys that's getting started. Um, some key things that he said, make sure you go back and listen, make sure you go back and put a pin in these things, you know, never give up, keep pushing, keep going. It took him 17 months, 17 months, a year and a half to get his first deal, you know, so it's not going to happen overnight all the time, but you got to continue to believe in yourself. You got to continue to inspire yourself. This is why I tell you, you have to have some kind of routine. In the morning, you need to get up, you need to meditate, you need to have some positive affirmations and confessions because this up here, your mind, you know, like the ghetto boy said, your mind will begin to play tricks on you. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm dating myself, you know, but your mind will play tricks on you and you will start to have those self-limiting beliefs. So remember, the opportunity is out there, kick open the doors, knock down every barrier that that is before you get out there and make something happen stop studying stop looking for someone to help you the opportunity is out there if you need to find a mentor if you need to listen to success stories the content is out there and this is one of the things that we try and do is try and provide the content for you so again remember Enjoy the journey, no matter how long that journey is, get out there, make some things happen. I love you, Equity Family. Love to chat with you more. Uh, stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.